0: We have a breaking story to update you on. A child's body has apparently been found in North Arlington. Night and fear is it is the body of nine-year-old Amber Hagerman of Arlington. Man got out of the car and literally grabbed Amber off of her bicycle and she's kicking and screaming. She'd only
1: been dead for roughly 48 hours, meaning for two long days she'd been held captive and tortured by her killer. I knew she was gone,
0: but I didn't know why.
1: Hey Steve, how's it going, man?
2: It's good, good, good. How about you, Eric?
1: Uh, pretty good. I've been uh, looking forward to today, and uh, just kind of curious on what we're, we're going to be discussing.
2: Well, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking we do the Amber Hagerman. You know, Amber Hagerman, the murder. is twenty years old this year. Right, indeed. Ninety-six, uh, I think, is when that happened. Yeah, right? nineteen ninety-six, and uh, this has got to be one of the worst things. That a parent could ever go through—the death of a child—and sadly, not to God's will, but uh, by the hands of pure evil.
1: Yeah, it's uh, crazy what the the human can do against humanity.
2: What I think what the worst thing about this case is, and we're gonna get into the details here in a second, is that uh, the killer is still at large.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, to to lose a kid find out that she's murdered, but to not have justice for that. I mean, the the parents' minds, I, I, I can't even fathom uh, what must still be going through their minds 20 years later every time they close their eyes at night.
2: It's it's horrific, man. So let's go ahead and, and, and get into this. So uh, January 13th, as we said, 20 years ago, 1996, Amber Hagerman, she was nine years old. She went to her grandparents' house. Her and her five-year-old brother were in Arlington, Texas, and they wanted to go riding their bicycles. Her mom apparently said, you know, look out for your little brother. And she said, sure. And her and her little brother, Ricky, who was, I think I said already, five years old. Five years old. uh, Rode around the corner into a vacant supermarket parking lot. And seven minutes later, Ricky came back more or less told his mom that she had vanished and the grandparents and the mother donna you know started looking for amber this is tough man
1: yeah i mean i mean, I mean really it's mind blowing you begin to look but like what are your first thoughts are is she playing you know is she hiding on purpose is it like a hide and go seek is she
2: playing a game well, you know, being a parent myself, I would think the first thing I would think is my child was injured. Right. And then I would go to what you're saying, the kids playing games on me. Right. And then, then I would go to my child was taken. Right. As we know in this case, she was, but there's a couple of weird things about this case is that, um, you know, she's a child. She's nine years old. So thank God. And I don't know why this took so long to happen. In 1990 Eric, 1990, there was a, uh, the National Child Search Assist- Assistance Act right which makes it mandatory for police forces to automatically respond to missing children. Why, why did it take till 1990? I don't know I don't
1: Why did it even have to be why did there even have to be an act and stated? to obligate police to do this.
2: I mean, maybe you know what we think about a lot of times, sorry to interrupt you, but we think that, that 48 hour waiting period thing.
1: Right. Yeah, we do.
2: And that's what takes us away. This act took that away for children, not for adults, but that's not always true either.
1: Right. Yeah. I just, you know, I know it's a sidebar um, from the whole story, but uh, that's what happens. I guess sometimes when you discuss things, but Why would there even have to be an act or, you know, a minimum waiting period for anybody?
2: Yeah, I I agree with that, too. I guess because of runaways. But a nine-year-old kid is not going to... Right.
1: And if they are just running, then there's something wrong with that household. Yeah. So I just don't know why there has to be laws for certain things when people should just do it just
2: well, do it well thankfully because of this law though thankfully the, right uh, the cops the fbi uh they were there within minutes right and uh they started doing a house-to-house search and they found a guy uh jimmy Kevell or keevil i guess who had actually seen amber being taken and this is how they knew she was kidnapped he said uh, she screamed once and was kicking as a white or Hispanic male took her and put her in a black pickup truck. Crazy. So, of course, the cops going on this information started looking for the black pickup truck. This is Texas. Arlington, Texas. I'm, I'm sure there was probably tens, if not hundreds, of black pickup trucks. Right. Yeah. They didn't find her in a black pickup truck. Four days later, though, a man walking his dog found her body in a creek bed uh, that was about five miles from her home. Uh, Her throat had been slashed, and she was nude. Mm. The police identified her, thankfully, to what I think most schools should be doing, is they matched a thumbprint from a school safety card, right, to her body, and I think that's uh, very important. That all parents go ahead and take that opportunity in schools mandated. I mean, I I remember
1: when I was in elementary school, before my mother's passing, I, I remember getting fingerprinted, and it was on on a safety school safety card.
2: I mean, thankfully, this is this is a little bit justice is the wrong word but this is what allowed the parents to have her daughter brought back right and be able to say yes that is your daughter the bad thing though is that um, you know she had been dead for 48 hours but missing for four days is what the medical examiner said uh, examiner said this means she had been kept captive for two full days uh, she had been sexually, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Another bad thing that kind of led to the downfall of this case is being in the creek bed uh, the The night before. The, uh, the water uh, rose to a higher level. It's believed, though, because of the rising of the creek bed, she, her body had actually been washed down some. Wow. So the police weren't able to identify exactly where that was. And obviously, much evidence would have been lost due to the water. Right. The Arlington police, uh, the FBI, they formed a task force, of course, you know, in the search for the killer. I think it was up to something of 8,000 leads. Wow. Investigated, but none of them turned out. The FBI... Did a profile, a psychological profile. It's pretty weak, though, really. Said he yeah. was at least 25, lived to work near the scene of the crime. Uh, very basic stuff. Right. And by 1999, only three years later, the task force had been abandoned.
1: Wow. Wow. Hi, God, see, and, and sorry, sidebar.
2: <laughs> it's okay.
1: How does the person feel... Like the, the official in charge, uh, feel like mentally, when you get to that point where there's nothing and you have to just, you know, make the decision to disband this force because, you know, the, for a loss of assets in, in other areas and to get them back into doing what they need to do. I, how do you mentally cope with that? Or are you indifferent, but when it's, when, it, when it's a nine-year-old, then you're saying, yeah, we're done.
0: When I came to the homicide unit in 2004, I continued to work the case with Detective Jim Ford, who was the lead investigator on the case. He was the lead investigator on the case from the first day of the investigation. When Jim Ford retired in 2010, I was assigned to take over as the lead investigator on the case. And I've had the case assigned to me since that time. Even though this case is 20 years old, we usually get several tips a month. And we receive those tips, whether it's by a phone call, through Crime Stoppers, or through the Arlington Police Department email system. We still treat each lead as if it may be the one that'll break this case. It's important to us that everyone out there think about this case and think about any possible suspect that they may have. Even the smallest lead could be the right lead that will help us break this case and bring the killer to justice.
2: Well, you know, I watched a lot of videos on this thing, and the cops that are investigating, it's still an open investigation. Uh, there's just no task force any longer. I think the cops that are currently investigating this crime are wholeheartedly into it. They want to right. make it happen. But unfortunately, bad things continue to happen. Right, that's true. You can't let things pile up, you know? Very true. And you need to put your resources in other places. It's, it's, it's tough. It's like the Adam Walsh case too, you know? Right. Which, uh, funny enough, we're going to get into later because of the law we talked about earlier. You just got to, I, I think the police have to, to prioritize certain things. And right. You come to a point where your assets are better utilized somewhere else, unfortunately. And we're all
1: um, used to it. Um, being with what our previous occupations used to be, but uh, but still, how how did you know? Uh, just the weight, I, I guess, is what I'm getting at. The weight that that person, you know, he has to make the decisions to reallocate his resources to things that are happening in the you know time now. But how does he mentally like you know do that? Because I, I I mean personally for me if i had to do that and i'm it's like almost saying like i'm giving up or you know even i know i'm not but it's like i'm taken away from it and and this this action that i'm taking you know even though it's for the good i got that one family that is um gonna be impacted by this it it just it yeah, I, it's just it, for me, it would be hard
2: to do. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it on a lot of TV shows where cops say, you know, I won't retire until I solve that case. But, I, I, you know, I'm not talking true crime TV shows, right. not just some right. fictional thing. But uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah, crazy. I don't, I don't know at what point, you know, do you not help someone else because you're so stuck on. Helping someone else, right? Obsessed by it, almost. Yeah, I think it's got to be a difficult job for a detective.
1: Uh, it has to be. I I wouldn't be able to do it. I I really don't think I'd be able to do that.
2: I mean, if, if the murder of a child—it's one of the most horrific things. They're so innocent, and I I just uh, I couldn't imagine how how certain police feel, right, about that. It's got to be tough, man, and like you said, it's got to be hard to give that up. But uh, you know, they got to move on. Yeah, as we all do. But this case isn't, like I said before, it isn't closed. It's still an open case, and there's still investigators investigating it. And they get leads monthly. Is the last word I heard. Wow. Wow. Uh, still, they don't have the killer. But there Mm -hmm. have been um, certain suspects throughout the years, though. Right, right. It started out uh, with three different people. There's a guy named uh, Bill Fry, Buddy Anderson, and his wife, Sharon. Right, and they were all the same. They're all the same family,
1: if I'm not mistaken, right?
2: Buddy was the stepson of Bill Fry, yeah. So more or less, yeah. More or less, they were family. And uh, Bill Fry owned an apartment that uh, Buddy and Sharon lived in. Okay. They moved out. And uh, this is where this kind of comes into. Moved out of the apartment. And the apartment had to be cleaned, so cleaners came in. And on the porch of the apartment, I don't know if it was in trash bags or if it was just laying out willy-nilly on the porch uh they found lots of pornographic pictures of children this, this is 15 years after though. this is only five years ago yeah wow so they get arrested later on because the cleaners reported it's that these worse. yeah these pictures were there police trapped tracked them down buddy and sharon that is and um there was um a female child that was five years old that was actually Sharon Anderson's daughter. So, I mean, it was just madness what was going on. Right. Um, and they lived not far away. It was about an hour's driving distance to where the murder of Amber Hagman took place. Wow. With the child pornographic pictures and the location there was some thought that maybe there was a correlation. It never They never found any evidence no. with uh, Buddy and his wife, Sharon. But the good thing is, because of the pictures that were found, uh, Buddy, he was charged and found guilty with uh, using a person under the age of 18 to engage in uh, explicit conduct. He got 30 years. Not enough. His wife Sharon, uh, charged with knowingly permitting her minor daughter to engage in explicit conduct, also got 30 years. No, excuse me. uh, 10 years in prison. 10 years, yeah, because she uh, pled guilty. Yeah, because she pled guilty. Now here's one of the weird things about this family, though. Buddy Anderson his stepfather, Bill. Mm -hmm. It was reported that he had a black truck at the time in 1996 when Amber was taken, which matches, as we talked about before, the descriptions from Jim Kibble. And it was also reported that directly after the murder, he left in Texas and moved. Wow. It's also said that uh, nieces and nephews of uh, Bill Fry reported being molested. And uh, he was at one point confronted by the family for having a uh, small child's bloody underwear in the glove compartment of his truck. And he was questioned for slitting the throat of his stepson, Robert. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is not a good guy. So yes. this is, yeah. <laughs> So is
1: his stepson, Robert, dead?
2: No. No, okay. not that I'm aware of. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. So there's there's been a guy, though, that's been reporting on all this, uh, Joey Dalbin. hmm And he was a reporter for the Ellis County Observer, and he wholeheartedly believes that uh, Bill Fry is the guy. And he came up, he's the one that came up with He had the black truck and uh, molested other kids and stuff. With another twist of the story, though, this this reporter, uh, Joey Dalvin, like I said, Ellis County Observer, if you go to the website right now, you're met (laughs) with two police badges that says, uh, under the authority of Chapter 59 of the Texas Code, the website is seized uh, due to a felony offense. I don't know what that means. Wow. So the reporter blames someone who kind of matches the description, who has family molesting children, who has been accused of molestation, who live near the area, and then the reporter gets charged with a felony and his website taken down. I don't know what that's about.
1: Yeah, that's... that's
2: weird um and it's the whole website the whole yeah it's gone you just there's two police badges and then it has that warning when you go there ellis County observer yeah that could be
1: a whole nother story
2: (laughs) yeah sadly enough i don't i don't know what's going there I, i think there was something about him harassing amber's mother donna And something going on there and the police in Arlington confronting him. And shutting it all down. Yeah, possibly.
1: But why the whole, you know, why the whole newspaper? Why, you know, like online part of the newspaper? Yeah, right. But I mean, they shut down the entire online part of the newspaper. So what's what's going on there that the whole, the whole damn paper got shut down online.
2: You know, and I have to be honest, I didn't do a whole lot of research into that newspaper, so I don't know if it's, like, just him doing it or if it's actually a whole county or what. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, that's something you would have to look into yourself, yeah. you know. Interesting. But he was pretty forceful about it. Yeah. And then we get into another suspect that people thought for a while is uh, Terrapin Atnan or Arahan? I'm not mm. sure how you say that. He, in 2008, he was sentenced to life in prison for raping and murdering a 12-year-old Sina Lenick in Tacoma, Washington. So a lot of people thought that was him too. The only thing is that there were some relations from how Amber was killed and how. A person in Fort Lewis, the rape and abduction that he was charged with in, two, uh, in 2000 of of 11-year-old Sabrina Rossuman in mm-hmm. Fort Lewis, uh, there were similarities there. And a lot of people thought that because of that, it could have been. And also, his mother and brother lived near Fort Worth at the time oh. of Amber's death. Wow. Though, you know, there's still been no evidence linking to him. Also, he was uh, attending mandatory sex offender therapy sessions on a weekly basis in Tacoma. Right. So, uh, the most promising four people, with the three pedophiles and uh, this murder rapist, uh, none of them came to fruition. Ah, Killer still missing. That's amazing now, you know you, we've heard it said a lot of times, though, Eric, you know when something always good comes out of something bad, you know indeed. that's not always true though, I don't think. but in this case, it kind of was. There was a um a, a, a caller right after Amber died a caller called into a Dallas radio station and asked just a simple teeny tiny question. She said, why can't law enforcement team up with the media to quickly notify the city and the public when a child's abducted? I mean, that seems like a simple request, right? Right. Something that should be relatively easy to do. That is how the Amber Alert was born, because of that one simple question: answering why couldn't somebody say, you know, we somebody saw this black truck and with a white or Hispanic male with this little girl. Why can't we have an alert system to send it out to the public? Right, and it and it got born because of Amber's death, and it was um. It was locally a Dallas Amber Alert. And right. Now, now everybody knows what an Amber Alert is.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, I actually received one on my on my cell phone the other day. Um, you know, my phone starts beeping. It's got that, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it's like where you are, but like uh, when there's a storm warning, you know, that you hear on the radio makes that god-awful noise to get your attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, my phone does the same thing. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, there's no storm. And I was like, you know, it's sunny and 80, <laughs> believe it or not, in, in the month of March. And uh, I looked down at my phone, and this this banner comes across, you know, Amber Alert, um, you know, brief description of the child in the vehicle that was last seen in. But, you know, how how amazing is that? And everybody has a cell phone now, so literally everybody gets it. Simultaneously,
2: that's awesome. Yeah, you know, I think I've I've doing some research on this. I I listen to a lot of nine one one calls too, and you can get them on YouTube where um, Amber Alerts have been issued and people see it, and you you can listen to the nine one one calls. What's your
0: emergency? I know there's an amber alert on the TV for this little boy. Okay. And there is a young man that looks just like the guy that they said took the little Where. Where's right here on Eddie Run, right as the underpass going Eddie and where? Ugh, what is the street? I'm at Eddie Road on 130 Eddie at 131st. Eddie Road, and what does he have right? on? He has on a black leather coat. Does okay. he have a small child with him? Yes, he does have a small child with him. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Do not lose visual on this male. I'm trying to go back. Cause he's standing right here under this overpass, And I've found three times so I know he's looking at me like landline that she has a visual on a male standing at a sure really Possible suspect for the amber alert. She's turning back around at 133rd and Eddie Road. We have his small he has a bridge. He's under the bridge. The bridge. He's Stand by. Here's
2: what's amazing: this thing, Amber Alerts, have saved around 800 kids. That's amazing. 800 kids is—I mean—it doesn't sound like a lot, but.
1: There would be 800 that may have never been found if it didn't exist.
2: Yeah. And, you know, if if you, the reason I say 800 doesn't sound like a lot is because if you really start looking at the numbers, you know, even according to the FBI in 2015, this is going to blow your mind, man. In 2015, there were 460,699 entries for missing children. Wow. Almost half a million. Now, <clears throat> it was almost the same in 2014 too. The the only thing is with that number is these include runaways. This is where you start getting into this gray area that's dangerous. Right. You know, you got the National Crime Information Center database, and this is where these entries get entered. That's how we have these numbers. Right. But when you have almost half a million kids missing, if you have a runaway, let's say a kid runs away five times in one year Mm -hmm. and the police call or the police are called, every time the kid runs away, he gets entered into the database. Gotcha. Does that make any sense? So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's sad that you know we're counting those numbers and that even anybody runs away. But I think, um, you know, Amber Alerts recovering almost 800 kids. It's a good deal. Yeah, it's, it's 800.
1: Like I said before, it's 800 that may not have been recovered if it didn't exist.
2: Yeah. And going back into these numbers, we've heard of the the uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the John Walsh. His child was abducted, his son, from a mall in a bathroom, apparently. His mom was there shopping with him, thought he was going to go play video games. You know, that was a big deal. He was abducted, murdered. Uh, John Walsh went on to start America's Most Wanted, and then he went on to start the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So in 2015, they assisted law enforcement with almost 14,000 cases of missing children. Now, almost 90% of those were uh, persistent, endangered runaways. I think that's why we have such a high number mm-hmm. with almost half a million. When you're talking from 13,700 that just they help with, this is a non-law enforcement agency. 90% of what they help with, runaways. What do you think the next greatest number would be? Well, uh, probably uh, family abductions. It is. 10%. 10% of those are family abductions.
1: I guess uh, maybe a situation where wife and husband are splitting and one decides, you're not getting my kids and takes off. It could be that or the uncle. Or uncle, yeah.
2: I mean, we we relate, you know, often this sexual misconduct to male uh, members of the family, and that's more than often true. Right. You know, so only 2% are lost or injured children, so wandering in the forest. 1% is non-family abductions, and 1% is critically missing young adults age 18 to 20. 1% 1% is non-family adductions. You have 10% is family abducted children, and 1% is non-family, and that's what happened to Amber Hagerman, yeah?
0: Right.
2: Well, we wow. believe. We believe. I mean, no one really knows. Wow. In 2015, the uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children said that uh, about 12,000 kids, uh, runaways, excuse me, that were uh, reported missing to NCMEC. One in five were likely victims of child sex trafficking, and of those, about 74% were in the care of social services when they went missing.
1: Yeah, something's
2: broken. <laughs> that's a that's a staggering number. That 74% would run away or leave, or be taken from social services and wind up in sex trafficking. Wow. That's pretty... I don't even know what to say there. Yeah, I mean, social
1: services is supposed to be there to protect them, but 74% of the
2: runaways end
1: up in sex trafficking.
2: Runaways or taken, yeah. 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 That's... Horrible. <laughs> Something's not working. I think there's a huge funding issue there. Something, if you ask me. Mm. So the uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has also they helped law enforcement with more than 714 cases of unidentified children's remains, and helped to assist in the identification of 59 of those. Wow, I mean, they're doing some good work. Yeah,
1: I mean, even if the number was one, it it it's something.
2: Yeah, I would I would rather invest you know a million dollars into a child than uh, than this eighty million that we keep people on death row for, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Well, you know where I stand on that. Well, that's a different story, but, (laughs) you know, you talked about it earlier, what's, um, because of Amber Hagerman, we now have the Amber Alert, we get it on radio stations, we get it on the internet, satellite radio, TV, Cell cell phones, email, SMS, Facebook, Google, the whole spectrum we wind up being notified about these instances. Huh? There is there there is something, though, and, and you hear about this, some children are missing, but there's not an Amber Alert, you know? Right. You know, like you were talking about before, that's a pretty tough call. At what point do you say we need to put an Amber Alert, a nationwide... Right. So there are criteria. It's, it's uh, not criteria, it's more of a guidance. Guideline, what those are before an Amber Alert is initiated is a couple things have to happen. First, that law enforcement has to make sure that an abduction has taken place. It's not like, you know, the kid ran away. Right. Or, uh, you know, the mom forgot to pick the kid up at a party. Or, Or dad, you know, or whatever the case may be. There has to be information Saying this child was abducted. The second is uh, that the kid could be at a risk of serious injury or death. The third, you have to have a description of the child, the captor, and the captor's vehicle to issue the alert.
0: And the fourth,
2: the child has to be under 18. Now, I, you got the hung with the three. I think it makes sense. I don't think it makes any sense to just put out you know little becky is missing yeah that's true well nobody knows little becky you know yeah what are they looking for yeah i think that's an important thing yeah i think so yeah that's, it's a, it's got to be tough man to make that call as a police officer absolutely on, on when to put that out you know the good thing is you know we we have the fbi it's a national organization uh you know, that, that helps take care of these issues that are that can be on scene within minutes. I mean, we saw that in nineteen ninety six when this you know, before this computer age happened, they were there and they were doing things. Unfortunately they didn't find Amber. But thanks to Amber, eight hundred families are happy and right. eight hundred children are safe, you know. Right. Uh, it's, it's sad she had to lose her life to save 800 others, but uh, God bless her for it. Absolutely. One more sad note that I, I just think needs to be said. That's, this is why it's very important that if you do get the Amber Alert, you think that you see the vehicle or the child or the abductor with the child Uh, to notify police immediately is uh, because most children that are abducted by strangers are usually murdered within the first three hours after their abduction. Amber was a different case. She actually survived for two days before being murdered, but the majority of children are dead within three hours. Wow. That's pretty hardcore, so... Uh, don't just blow off the Amber Alert. Actually look at it and uh, you know we're one
1: world, man. You know? Yep. Better to say something and be wrong than to not say anything and be right.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously you don't want to call in some nonsense, but uh, I think it's important that we look out for one another. Yep. Absolutely. The world will get there one day. Slowly, but surely. Yeah. Well, Eric, that was pretty depressing to you. Yeah, it was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, it was. That was very somber. That was pretty tough. And but it makes you tough. think. It makes you think. And,
2: uh,
1: you know, maybe if we think a little more, we can better ourselves.
2: Yeah. I hope that. I hope that for all of us. And I just, you know yeah I don't wish that on anybody Nope, definitely not I'll tell you what let's say some thank yous huh? sure absolutely well thanks Folker for doing all our great artwork Eric as always for being on the show Uh thank you Tommy Bishy for doing all our computer work and uh, Steve thank you
0: thank you thank you,
2: <laughs> thank you too uh, Vanessa for doing some of her research and uh, yeah, I guess that's about it.